Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. The scripture reading this morning is from the book of John in the New Testament. John 21, verse 1 through 14. You can find that on page 115 if you'd like to follow along in your um, Bible. Please hear the word. Jesus appears to seven disciples. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They, they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Bring some, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon and Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. 
Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. During the summer after my first year in seminary, I worked for an ecumenical ministry group in Huttonsville, West Virginia. The purpose of that organization was to respond to basic needs of the poorest residents of the county, and they did so year-round. But during the summer, it took a different shape, as youth groups from around the country would come in for a week at a time to offer some needed home repairs that the residents could not afford. My job was to get the teenagers and their leaders to the job site, to introduce them to the homeowner, and then to make sure they had the tools required. My supervisor for the summer was a minister who was perfect for the job. He loved the people, he knew the county well, he was aware of all the complicating factors that contributed to poverty, and he had the ability to raise money for particular needs as they arose. And yet for reasons that I can't fully explain still, he and I struggled as a team. It started, I think, the day I arrived at a Catholic retreat center where I was to be housed all summer, but no one there knew that I was even coming. And that was part of his job to alert them to that. In the weeks that followed, there'd be other moments like that when I felt like we were always scrambling, that I was covering his tracks, times when, when I would offer different opinions about how we might handle something, and he would inevitably respond, just do what I say. It was one of those moments when my frustration just continued to grow, and, and I was thankful that I would be there only for the summer. One week, a youth group from Pittsburgh came. They had been there the previous summer, and it was during that week that one of the teenagers in that group said to me how much she admired my supervisor. Well, it came on a particularly hard day for me, a time when I wasn't feeling that way about him. She had experienced with him far more than I did, but after her gracious words, I proceeded to name some of my complaints. It was a terribly inappropriate thing to do. And after I finished my litany of gripes, she looked straight in the eye to me and said, I still think he's a fine man. Her words stopped me in my verbal tracks. They made me realize that I clearly wasn't seeing something that she recognized in him. One might even say that her important words to me were evidence that Jesus had showed up. The passage that we just read describes a moment like that in the most literal fashion imaginable. It comes some point after Easter, we're not exactly sure when it occurred, as Jesus appears to his disciples again, and we will learn that this is the third such occasion. The first time happened on Easter Day itself, 
when news of an empty tomb had begun to spread and Jesus suddenly appeared to ten of his disciples who were hiding behind locked doors. He showed them the wounds on his body from the crucifixion. And John says he breathed the Holy Spirit on them in that moment. One of the twelve, Thomas, was not present on that day. And after the others told him what had happened, he vowed that he wouldn't believe it himself unless he was able to put his hands in Jesus' side where he had been wounded on the cross. The second appearance happened a week later when Jesus returned to that group, and this time Thomas was with them. And over the course of that encounter, this last apostolic skeptic proclaimed his faith And Jesus offered a blessing upon those like you and me who have come to faith without that kind of encounter. That's what John had in mind when at the start of our passage he said, after all of these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. The disciples were there because Simon Peter had announced at some point, I'm going fishing. And six of his colleagues decide to join them. Their night of labors result in no fish, however. And so early the next morning, as the sunlight is just coming up, Jesus appears on the beach. They don't know yet that's who it is. He cries out to them over the water, Children, you haven't caught any fish, have you? He encourages them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. And when they do that, it becomes so full that the men can't pull it back into the boat with them. One of the disciples recognizes that this is Jesus. The light is still dim. The distance is still great, but he knows who it is. And when he shares that with Simon Peter, Peter jumps into the water and swims ashore, leaving the other six to bring the boat in, dragging that net as they came. As they walk on the sand, they see this charcoal fire where Jesus is grilling some fish. He invites them to bring some of the scaled creatures they have just caught with them, and John gives us a very precise number. He said they caught 153, but the net did not break. It is then that Jesus has come. Have breakfast with me. He takes some of the fish. He has bread and has echoes of the Lord's Supper as he breaks it and serves it to them. John tells us that none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Because they all knew it was the Lord. As the meal is completed, our scene draws to a close. In John's descriptive prose, There are all kinds of ways that we can reflect and respond to that scene. Some voices over the years have focused on how, after all the drama of Easter, the first recorded words from Peter are, I am going fishing. And so there have been some over the years who criticized him for that, who've wondered if he's decided he's not going to follow Jesus after all, but go back to his former life. Others were quick to say that they needed some rest, that they were simply hungry. Other voices focus on the fact that it is literal food that is offered at this breakfast as a way of saying this is not some vision. 
that is appearing before those seven men, but the embodied presence of Jesus himself. While still others have spilled a lot of ink trying to define exactly what that 153 number means. And so some have suggested, well, that was how many different species of fish the ancient Greeks believed existed. And others have used variations on some mathematical formula that comes up with that precise number. It all makes for interesting speculation. It, it might be the intent of that text, too. But what struck me is its most basic account, namely, of how Jesus showed up again. This was the third time that he appeared to them. And three times in these verses, John uses that verb to say that he showed, he appeared, he presented himself. A verb that literally means a, an unveiling, of revealing something that is hidden, of showing on earth something known only in heaven. The fact that those disciples in that moment said they, they weren't about to ask who it is suggests that there might have still been some uncertainty from them, even as they gathered for that meal. And yet in the midst of that very ordinary moment, Jesus appeared. I'd like for, to ponder our own stories in that regard. To think about those moments when Jesus showed up in our lives, too. I'm not talking about a literal appearance, though I think that is certainly possible. But rather, those other kind of moments that stop us in our tracks. It might come when someone speaks a word that we need to hear, just like that teenager from Pittsburgh did with me years ago. A word of correction, a word of encouragement, a word of hope that they would have had no way of knowing that we needed. It can happen in those moments when we find ourselves thinking about someone that we haven't seen in years. And later that day, we get a letter from them or a phone call. It can happen in those moments when we are at our most frustrated or at our most disappointed. One scholar speaks of how John in this moment is very intentional about saying how Jesus came to those disciples in a time where they had failed in their task as fishermen. And maybe it's that kind of moment for you. For me, it's not really a question of whether Jesus still shows up, but rather whether we recognize it when it happens. And while I can't outline for you in advance exactly what that might look like, I won't even attempt to, to name three questions that you might raise in the moment to wonder if, in fact, this is, in fact, a divine appearance. What I am willing to suggest is that there are times for all of us when, like those seven disciples of long ago, that we may not be able to explain it, but just know it to be true. As part of a recent Board of Trustees meeting at Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, our room was divided up into smaller groups. 
facilitator identified five or six to be, gather around each table. And then around that table, we were to share our answers to two questions. What brought you to Louisville Seminary and what keeps you here? My table included the seminary president, two other trustees, and then a staff member that I had never met before. And I heard all the stories, and all of them were powerful in their own way. But the one from this member of the staff stood out. She told us of how she'd recently worked for another nonprofit in the Louisville area. And due to the pandemic, that organization had a budget sh shortfall. And so the higher-ups decided that every department in their organization would lay off one person. It didn't matter whether they had 25 people on their team or three. Everyone would lay off one. Well, she was a supervisor of a very small team that consisted of only two other people. And so her boss came to her and said, you need to decide which one you're going to lay off. And as she was describing that story to us, she, she said, well, I, I responded in a way that wasn't really typical for me. I, I said to him, well, I need to pray about that. And then I'll let you know my decision. A couple of days later, she came back to him and she said, well, I've decided that the one that you're going to lay off is me. Well, as we heard that story, we were all deeply struck by the sacrifice that she had made for her colleagues. And then someone else around our table said, aren't you a single mom? She nodded and went on to say, it was two weeks later that I got this call from Louisville Seminary asking if I'd be interested in this position. I feel so blessed. It's moments like that one that I'd like for you to remember and uncover. Occasions when something you heard, something you saw, not only stopped you in your tracks, but filled you with this sense of wonder and awe. And to use that same kind of reflective lens as you move forward in this day and week, too. And I'd welcome to hear back from you the kinds of moments that come to mind as you think about them in that way. For what I would say to you, even without knowing what those circumstances are, that just like our ancestors in the past, when you uncover one of those moments and wonder whether or not somehow it reflected an appearance of Jesus, that like them, you really won't even have to ponder it because you will know. Let us pray. We remain humbled, O oh God, by your creative and active presence in our lives. We thank you for those moments when you break through in surprising fashion, moments that perhaps we did not recognize at the time. We thank you 
that we serve a living Lord and pray that as we move forward, we might continue to be aware of and respond to those times when yet again you appear. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.